This morning's reading is taken from Matthew's Gospel and chapter 18. And we begin at the first verse. The heading is The Greatest in the Kingdom of Heaven. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea again. Shall we just start in prayer? Heavenly Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be present here this morning and that you will speak through me and through the work at Tear Fund, and that everyone here will hear your voice in their hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm just going to set a timer to make sure I don't uh, overrun, which I probably will, but never mind. Um, thank you very much for inviting Tear Fund here. I understand that you are long-term givers. You started sponsoring a child and then continued to give ever since. And so on behalf of Tear Fund, and particularly on behalf of all the people that are helped, I'd like to say thank you very much for what you do. Now, what I'd like to do, what I'd like to start, is to spend about five minutes talking about Tear Fund and just what we do and our our philosophy, and then really focus on one of the projects that we have been working on for the past year or two, um, which is trying to reduce the the level of, of child trafficking and child slavery in the world. Is that okay? So this is the strap line. Following Jesus where the need is greatest. But how do you do that? Where do you do that? And, and, and what does poverty mean to you individually? Now I've got a pound coin here. The average median daily income in the United Kingdom is 50 of these. So 50 pound a day for each man and woman of working age in the UK. Now, if I ask you what percentage of Christians globally are living on less than one pound a day, what do you reckon it would be? I was quite shocked, actually. It's 80%. 80% of our brothers and sisters in Christ are living on less than one pound a day. And, of course, we're all called to help our neighbours, whatever their faith. So that is where the need is greatest. And it's that need, that poverty, that I really want to focus on today. The pervasive, grinding poverty 
that Tear Fund is working to lift people out of. So how can we help? Well, we're, we're offered a myriad of ways, aren't we? There's um, buy things, we can give things, we can send things, we can send people. We could build something. We could build a well, build a clinic, a latrine, install a hand pump, build a school, a hospital. We could buy a goat or a cow, give some seeds. Now, some of these activities are really helpful and they provide a long-term impact. Some of them will provide a short-term impact after a disaster. But very often, the impact's only temporary. We could support a clinic, but if the money stops, the clinic closes. It can't buy medicines. It can't employ doctors and nurses. If you travel through Afghanistan today, you'll see loads of water pumps that aren't working because they haven't been maintained. It's actually really difficult to get people out of poverty. And the sad part is even when we believe we're doing our best and get involved in one of these projects, we're actually failing to use all the innate abilities of the people who live there and are asking for our help. What we need is something that will help the work continue once the project has come to an end. We need to <coughs> respond in ways that will bring hope rather than despair that will reinstate self-worth rather than tear it down, <clears throat> that will develop sustainable solutions rather than dependency, and that can continue long after we are able to provide support. Now, fortunately, there is a great answer to that. But it's an ingredient that's ignored by most secular international development efforts. In a moment, you're going to see a video of that forgotten ingredient at work, which is tackling that curse of, of child slavery. But that forgotten ingredient, that ignored ingredient, we are here. It's the local church. The local church, just like this church here, that draws alongside people in communities across the globe, that loves them in the power of word and deed and the Holy Spirit. Simple actions, like working together to begin collecting rainwater in a tank. The tank stays there. And, but it will save a two-hour walk to collect water twice a day. Training people, training families to improve crop yields and improve diversity. Providing educations in full classrooms with trained teachers. All this within an active and vibrant community of believers. That's how Tear Fund works, whether it's here in Britain or in some of the poorest communities across the globe. And does it work? Well, as a result of this approach in many villages across Uganda, these are the results. 40% drop in childhood diarrhea, 50% increase in crop diversity, and right the way down, even women becoming more confident and being able to speak in meetings. It does work. Indeed, it works so well that we're replicating this approach right across the globe in many communities and countries. We're tackling difficult issues that have at their root cause the terrible poverty 
to be found in many parts of the world. And it is making a difference. So now we're going to look at a video of one of Tier Fund's prime projects at the moment, tackling the issue of the trafficking of children. But before we start do that, I just want to ask you one question to consider as this video runs. Imagine yourself sat in a restaurant with some friends or colleagues somewhere abroad, and one of your companions points out a teenage girl with an older woman wandering around the buffet. And he informs you that that girl is a slave to the older woman. What would you do? So it was a number of years ago, and I was on a business trip to Lahore in Pakistan as part of my day job. And on one of these, I was sat in the restaurant of the Holiday Inn Hotel when one of my colleagues, a chap from Malaysia, he pointed out this girl and told me she was a slave. She was following the older lady around the buffet. She was carrying her plate and various samples of food were put on to the plate. So what would you have done if you'd been there? In fact, just talk to the person next to you and tell them what you would have done. Yeah. I didn't know who the girl was. She actually could have been the daughter or a niece of the, the older lady. And even if I could have been certain she was a slave, what could I do? I was in a foreign Muslim country. I didn't speak the language. I had no idea of where to go for help. So I looked and I did nothing. And from your responses, I think that you probably would have been doing something very similar. Um, and I suppose there's always been a sort of feeling, a little bit of feeling of guilt. Should I have done something? Could I have done something? But I'm trying to do something positive now, and I'm here today to talk about this scourge of child poverty. And I'm hoping that you too will take some action after I've spoken to you. It's James in 2.17, he says, so faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Um, Eugene Peterson in the message, he puts it, isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? And despite all William Wilberforce's efforts over 200 years ago, slavery still exists today. In fact, somewhere in the world, a child is trafficked every 30 seconds. And it's always from the most impoverished parts of the world. Over a year, it's 1.2 million children, which is about the same as the population of Birmingham. In Bihar, where Nazib's from, 4,000 children are trafficked every month. It's the fastest growing crime in the world, faster than drugs. Bihar itself is about 10% larger than Ireland, yet is over six times the population, and the average income is just 50 pence. So is it any wonder that lots of people are hungry? Nazib's family was just like many others. Um, they lived in poverty. They didn't have enough food to eat. They lived in basic homes, and they had virtually no money. Nazib's mum tried hard to make sure that the five children did have enough to eat, even if she didn't eat herself. And 
even with this, she only managed to give them two meals a day. And so with conditions like this, with this grinding poverty, making every day a real challenge, is it any wonder that when outsiders come in offering work for children, that parents or relatives will grab the opportunity? The agent who deceived Nazab was offering £60 a month for casual work. Now that's roughly four times the average income in Bihar. But unfortunately, as we've seen, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And 4,000 children a month are being trafficked from Bihar. That's more than five every hour. And that's just one state in India. Let's say overall, we believe there's 1.2 million people globally being sold into slavery, some form of slavery, every year. I'll tell you about another child, Deepa. She was only five or six years old when she was taken from her parents by an uncle who took her to Mumbai. Deepa thought she was going to a better life, but her uncle sold her to a lady and then just abandoned her. Deepa was kept until the age of nine when she was sent out to work. Now, work for a nine-year-old girl in Mumbai means she was a prostitute at the age of nine. For her first experience of this, when she was raped, the men would have been bidding in an auction to have that opportunity because she was a virgin. Even as a child, she was a premium product. Fortunately for Deepa, her story is one of redemption because she was rescued in a police raid. And now at the age of 16 is being supported by another partner, Oasis in India. But for many children, rescue doesn't happen. And that scale is huge and is growing fast. It's not simply enough to rescue children from trafficking, but we must prevent the children from being taken in the first place. At Tierfund, we believe that God designed children to be in families, in playgrounds, and schools. And yet all over the world, they're being put into sweatshops and rice fields and brothels. And it has to stop. When I showed you the trainer earlier on and said, this is how much someone's being paid, say, in many cases... Children are doing the work, or even adults, and they're not being paid a penny, as we saw in the, in the, uh, in the video. Now, we're not alone in being outraged by this issue. We'll look at the reading we heard, Matthew 18, 1 to 6. This was first century Israel, male-dominated, adult-dominated society, where children have little value or status. The children are fully reliant on their guardians and should be seen and not heard. Yet here is Jesus speaking to his disciples and instead of suggesting a hero or statesman for his disciples to model, he chooses a child. An example of humility, dependence and insignificance. Jesus always valued children. In this passage... He literally allows the child to take center stage as he explains again just how different his kingdom will be. Now, you're all familiar, I'm sure, with the upside-down kingdom where the, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. 
What the world may look down on or ignore is of huge, huge importance to God. Jesus uses little children here as an example to say that those who are like little children are not only welcomed and an integral part of the kingdom, they're an example of how we all should behave. And Jesus says that whoever humbles himself like a child is greatest in the kingdom. Again, we'll know the, the passage in Matthew 19, 14, when the disciples are again trying to put children in their place. And Jesus corrects them and says, let the children come to me. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as this. And yet in complete contrast to Jesus' message, many children across the world, children like Nazib or Deeper, are given the lowest possible value and status, being treated like commodities ready to be bought and sold. We rarely see Jesus angry in the Gospels, but here in verse 6, you can feel the anger and passion in his words as he rebukes the disciples. Jesus is serious. The millstone here actually refers to a capital punishment used by the Greeks. And what Matthew is saying here is that it would be better for them to die than to cause someone who has the qualities of a child to sin. Jesus loves children. And if you can feel the suffering looking at some of these slides, Jesus feels it far greater. And it really pains him to see children being abused by adults. It also pains him when he sees others stand by and do nothing. Verse 5 says, whoever welcomes little children like this in my name, welcomes me. If we value the qualities of children being humble, giving up self-interest, independence and status, and if we welcome them as Jesus does, we're welcoming Jesus into our lives. Jesus values children greatly. He values them so much, he was willing to sacrifice his life for them. And I don't doubt that we all want to value children. And I want to encourage you that there is hope, and the hope takes the form of the local church. Whoever that looks like, you or me, or someone from a church in India or Nepal, we're all part of the local church. And we can bring hope to the darkest of situations. 1.2 million children trafficked every year. One every 30 seconds. In the time we've been here this morning, that's over 100 children. Now, if the average size of a class in the school is 30, that's three classes. In some village schools, it's the whole school. Gone just in an hour never to return in most cases and we've got to stop that and today we all have an opportunity to do something about this to help communities like Nazibs, Deepas and similar communities across the world to fight traffickers and keep children safe now I hope all of you will have been given a card when you came in like this. And inside is a form that you can fill out and start giving regularly to Tier Fund to help us in our work all around the world to help prevent trafficking. Just like we saw in that video, 
your regular gift will mean we can teach children and families the dangers of trafficking and then we can help them to set up vigilant committees to keep their children safe. £12 a month is enough to support four children like Nazib through the training. £12 a month, that's all, to prevent four children being trafficked so they can grow up in their family with hope and with a future. Now, if you can't give £12 a month, don't worry. Any amount given regularly will help and will make a difference. And even if you, because I don't carry my bank details around, but you can fill in the details here and there's a box to tick that says, please get someone get in touch to talk about the potential of giving. Even if you don't feel you want to give, please pray for the work that's going on. And if you fill the card in, it means that we will know that you are praying for these children and we'll send you information that will allow you, guide you in your prayer and tell you what the work at Tear Fund is doing. Now, I've been asked to give out some books as well to anybody who returns a card. So I have a collection, hopefully I'll run out, but uh, um, I have a collection of these books that are, are really very good. It's called Little Book of Growth, which is, which is a lovely book. Um, talks about some of the work we're doing. I also have a load of Tier Times, which is our newsletter. We, the new one's just come out, um, but I've got the old one as well for autumn, and I've got the spring one here. These are, they're all next door where we're having coffee. So they're really good, and I ask you to come and take one away with you, one of each. The, um, the autumn one actually gives a lot of information about where the money goes, how the money's spent. And I know if you're interested in giving, I personally like to know what's happening. And uh, the new one's got some great stories about various people um, around the world uh, working for Tier Fund and so forth. So there's great stories in it. I rec recommend you, you read that. So I want to thank you once again for asking me here today. Um, in a moment we're going to sing again, I, the Lord of Sea and Sky. And maybe you could fill the card in while, while that's being sung. Um, but I would just like to finish in prayer and pray for all those children that are being trafficked, that hundred children that have disappeared since we came here this morning. So, Father, we thank you for the work of Tear Fund and its partners and, and for Christians across the world doing what they can to protect children from traffickers. Thank you for the way you are restoring and strengthening Nazib's family and many other communities like his, giving them the means to break out from poverty. And we pray that through this they may come to know you as their Lord and Saviour. We pray for the local church in India a minority who are serving you in practical ways. And we lift up to you, Abraham, Dennison, and all the staff at EHA, and others who are working in difficult places throughout the world. And we pray for vulnerable children across the world, especially the hundred who have been trafficked while we have met here in Blum. Please be close to them. Give them hope and give them a future. And open our eyes to see you at work around the world, 
We thank you for inviting us to be part of your plan to restore creation. We praise you, the giver of life, the redeemer and restorer. Help us to be patient and persistent in prayer in all the places that we have not yet seen restoration, including the plight of vulnerable children. Help us to see your light and your plan to save. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.